You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. You are the light of consciousness. In this podcast, Eckhart talks with a live audience about the new consciousness he sees emerging around the world. He says, one of life's great mysteries is that the universe is conscious. While scientists struggle to define it and we can't see it under a microscope, consciousness exists. We are living proof of that. Eckhart says, we have a role to play. And he quotes an ancient aphorism, you are the light of the world. He says what that means is you are the light of consciousness manifesting in the world. Right now we are sitting here, you are sitting here. Ultimately there's only one eye and it's sitting there and here there's only this one eye. You are sitting here, you are aware of your sense perceptions. That's part of the present moment. You're aware of this room, you're aware of the lights, the screen, man sitting on a chair, talking, you hear the voice, you hear the background noise, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I think it's, they call it music. Boom, 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 boom. It's noise that goes with the beer fest. That's fine. You perceive the totality of this room and yourself the body, you're sitting on the chair, and that's the present moment, one would say. That's the, uh, but it's not the depths of the present moment, it's the surface of the present moment. The surface of the present moment is sense perceptions, hearing, seeing. If one of your sense perceptions is missing, either you don't hear or you don't see, that's fine, you have the others. So. You're aware of sense perceptions. You're aware of what you hear, what you see, what perhaps even what you touch. And is that all there is to this moment? Is that all there is? Well, you would say, yes. Haven't you forgotten something? No, just a second. How is it possible for you to perceive these things? How is it possible for you to have these sense perceptions. You might also have certain, a thought may come into, into your head. What am I going to have for dinner later? How much longer do I have to sit here? I don't understand a word of what he's saying. Uh, or what you had for breakfast this morning. Thoughts can come and go. Sense perceptions, thoughts. Your entire life consists of a mixture of Sense perceptions, thoughts, and emotions. That's basically, you mix them in a particular way, and that becomes your life. You mix them up in a pot. Sense perceptions, thoughts, emotions, my life. Is there more? Have you forgotten something? Yes, of course you've forgotten something. You've forgotten that if you were not conscious right now, There would be no sense perceptions, there would be no thoughts, there would be no emotion. If you were not conscious at this moment, none of this would be. And if there were nobody here, no perceiving consciousness, would there even be a room that's debatable? Or would there just be certain molecules and atoms floating around in space? It only becomes a room when the perceiving consciousness makes it into a room. So you are 
the consciousness without which there wouldn't even be a room here. You are the consciousness without which there wouldn't be a man sitting on the chair. You are that. That is the, the essence of who you are is consciousness. Now, the, here we come to the you are, you are conscious right now. This is one way of putting it, but it would be more accurate to say you are consciousness. That's the essence of who you are. If I say you are conscious, I have created a duality. There's you and consciousness is something that is added to you. But the essence of who you are is consciousness. And when you are aware of yourself as consciousness, then you become self-aware. Awareness arises. This is awareness is when consciousness, which is who or what you are in your essence, when consciousness becomes conscious of itself, that is the miracle of awakening, and that's the arising of awareness. And in that arising of awareness, you have transcended thinking. You can come back to thinking and think much more effectively and creatively when you access a dimension, but you have transcended thinking when you realize experientially, like right here and now, the silent realization that who or what you are is this conscious presence that underlies everything and that you sense as yourself, that you sense as your own presence. I call it your own, but of course it's not your own. It's the, the presence of the light of the world in you. You sense your presence. This underlies everything. To give an analogy, I could give two analogies. Let's say there's a painting. The painting is painted on a canvas. And let's say you are whatever is painted on the canvas, that's, your, that's you as a person. And when the thing that's painted on the canvas, the picture, is totally identified with the form of the painting, that is unconsciousness and ego. But let's say that what's painted on the surface becomes aware of the canvas on which it is painted. That's a strange analogy, but it works for a moment, it might work. You, if you're the painting, you become aware of the canvas on which the, without which the painting could not be. And that is, means you become aware of the substratum in yourself, the consciousness without which nothing else would be. Wow. Now, instead of canvas, I prefer to use the expression space. You are the space of consciousness the inner space, but ultimately there's no division between inner and outer, the inner space of consciousness. Consciousness pervades the entire universe, but of course it becomes focalized, for example, through the human brain, which is an instrument that consciousness uses to express itself through and to create this dimension that we inhabit. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. So this is just so amazing. Let me give another analogy. You watch a movie, it's projected onto a screen. There's a projector and there's a film. I don't know if it's still the same these days. There's a film that runs through and there's a, there's a light behind it and the light shines, there's a lens, and then the light projects the images from the film onto the screen. Now in this, another weird analogy now, Let's say you are one of the actors on the screen acting out your, your script, which is your conditioned mind. Drama, whatever it is. Oh, no. Look what he did to me. Let, let me tell you what he did. He did. And then he said, and I said, and acting out the drama on the screen. It's, it's your script. It's condition, your conditioned mind. You don't even know you're acting it out. You think it's you. 
It's just mechanical acting out of your conditioning. <laughs> and, and suddenly, the actor on the screen becomes aware of something. Maybe gets a, he or she gets a little shock on the screen. Somebody hits him or her over the head. And suddenly, the, the, the actor on the screen realizes something, realizes that actually the essence of who I am is actually the light. Of course it is. The light is projected onto the screen. So the essence of who I am is the, is the light, and the rest is secondary. Oh, self-realization. I am the light. I'm using that because that is another a beautiful pointer. The light, a beautiful way of speaking of consciousness as the light. And this is what you might remember from the New Testament. There were two significant sayings, well, among others, two of the most significant sayings by Jesus, which are undoubtedly literally true. Not everything that's in the New Testament is literally true of what he said, and some things were distorted, some things were added, some things were left out. That's another story. But with some things have such power that you immediately know somebody uttered these words who knew the essence of who he was. He, he knew. So he, there are two statements. One is in the Gospel of John and one is in the other Gospel. I, I can't quote them. You can look it up. One is, he says, I am the light of the world. Oh. And in another Gospel, he says, you are the light of the world. Oh, so that's an amazing statement, both about himself and about everybody else. You are the light, but you don't know it yet. That's the difference. You are the light of the world. He was talking to uneducated, probably, fishermen or whoever he encountered. So when he says, you are the light of the world, he was not saying, you are the creme de la creme of society. No, he was talking to people who had no particular possessions or even education. So he was pointing to something that was essential in every human being. You are the light of the world. You are the consciousness in which the whole world appears and comes into being. Now all you have to do is realize it experientially. Know it experientially then you know that you are the light of the world. And when you know that you are the light of the world, it's not an ego thing. It's not saying, I'm the light of the world, but you are not. <laughs> or saying, I'm the greatest light of the world. I'm a greater light. Some lights are greater than others. <laughs> <laughs> or only I can give you the light of the world. Come to me. None of that. So... I am the light of the world is the same pointer as in the ancient Greek temple said, you are. I am to become aware of the bare fact of your beingness. Right now, I don't use these words as explanations or philosophical statements. They are only pointers towards something that you have to go beyond the words. Can you be aware of your own beingness? Because when I say I am, I am is the first person singular of the verb to be, strangely enough. I don't know why it's a totally different word. <laughs> it really should be I be, I am. It's being, it's, it's speaking of your being. In the German language, you actually have the form ich bin, which is related to the English be, I am. I am. Right now, are you able to realize the bare fact of your beingness as the I am without adding anything to it? Just feel the presence of yourself. But ultimately, what is that presence? It transcends who you are. It far transcends who you are as a person. Now, I don't very often speak of God, but I'll do it now. This is difficult territory for some people because God for most people is a conceptual edifice and it's been spoken of 
so many times by so many different people, meaning so many different things. Now, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world and you are the light of the world, the light of the world is the consciousness that illuminates everything. And that's the essence of who you are. And that consciousness emanates from the source of all life, which transcends space and time. It's not somewhere in space and time. It transcends space and time. So you cannot really speak of the source. It transcends anything the human mind could think or speak of. That source you cannot speak of because you can't explain God with the limitations of human language, which after all are only a few sounds produced by the vocal cords, plus a few, I can't remember the term for it, sounds produced by a friction of air. So just the combination of a few sounds produced by the vocal cords, plus air friction, Oh, ow. cannot explain the mystery of the universe, not surprisingly. <laughs> and to think you can explain the mystery of the universe by producing a few sounds is absurd. But there can be a few hints. The, the source of all life, which transcends space and time, emanates into this dimension. It emanates into this dimension, and in this dimension, it emanates gradually more and more, and that's the evolution of this universe, the gradual emanation of increasing emanation from the source. And it's a bit like the sun, another analogy. You could have the sun. The sun emanates light continuously. And it's not surprising that in ancient civilizations, the sun was regarded as God. Of course, the sun is not God, but... but it's good as an analogy. The sun emanates light, and when the light touches your hand, you feel the warmth of the sun. In some sense, you could say you're touching the sun. And yet, in another sense, of course, if you touch the sun, you would immediately evaporate. But the light is still connected to the sun. The light in you, the consciousness in you, is an emanation of source. And the source emanates, and temporarily it manifests this light, and this light temporarily appears as a person. It temporarily appears in a particular form, and then evaporates, and then appears in another form. It evaporates, evaporates, appears. Human life is short-lived on this planet. I mean, if you're still young, you might think, oh, it'll go on and on. And I've even heard recently a young person say, by the time I get old, they'll have invented a remedy against death. I don't think so. Life is short. If you saw, or saw a speeded-up version of life on the planet, you would see human beings appearing and disappearing continuously. Let's speed it up. Let's speed up 100 years in three seconds, five seconds, ten seconds, you would see life appearing and disappearing as human forms continuously popping up and bursting like soap bubbles. Sparks, little sparks appearing and disappearing. Millions. Consciousness manifesting gradually, coming more into this dimension. In that sense, the evolution of the universe, and especially the evolution of humans, has not been completed yet. The evolution of humans is a work in progress. Humans are evolving as more consciousness enters this dimension. So as you awaken to who you are, and you do it when the mind becomes still for a moment, and yet you haven't lost consciousness, and you look around, and you don't need to label it mentally. You look at a flower, you look at a light, you can look at your own hand, whatever it is you may see, you're aware, or you listen, whatever it is you're listening to, you listen, and you don't have to label it mentally. So you become the background, the canvas, you are the consciousness, and that means there's a stillness in you that arises. It's a stillness.
but it's alert. It's an alert stillness. It's not the stillness that comes when you've had 10 whiskeys and you're about to drop off. Not that stillness. And it's not the stillness that is there just before you go to sleep, when the mind cannot think about its problems anymore. And you go, oh. No, it's an alert, an alert stillness. And to realize that this dimension is in you, always there, can be covered up, but is not something you need to attain. It's not something you need, and this is perhaps a disappointment for those of you who have been spiritual seekers for many years and perhaps are attached to the mental concept of spiritual seeking. In other words, it's part of, become part of your ego. So I'll say it anyway, so because it's good to be disappointed. <laughs> it's not something that you can need to attain or get or obtain or achieve. It's not even an achievement. It's realizing what's already there in you. The dimension is already there in you, always underlying the movement of thought, always underlying it, always there like the canvas, always there, but always overlooked, almost always overlooked by normal humans. Occasionally it surfaces in their lives, this dimension of, of alert stillness, of pure consciousness, of unconditioned consciousness. Occasionally it emerges in their lives, but they don't even know what it is because they associate it with something that they're experiencing at that moment, but what they're experiencing at that moment frees them for a moment from the stream of thinking. And a little space opens up inside, and they go, oh, and it feels so wonderful, it's your life. And you go, for example, a, a, a magnificent natural spectacle could do it. A magnificent sunset, the sun disappears into the ocean, and there's the vastness of it all, and you, your eyes get wide and you look and so, wow. And you may not realize the intensity of that moment and the alert, the deep peace and aliveness you feel are only indirectly caused by the sunset because the sunset stopped yet was so magnificent that it stopped your mind for a moment and there was that stillness arising in you. And in that stillness, you can, you can sense yourself more strongly than ever before. You can sense the, as your essence more than ever before. It could also rise when you look into the eyes of a baby, one year old, and that baby looks back at you, and the baby has not yet arrived at thinking. It has not yet arrived at conceptualization. It has no opinion about you yet. It probably will in a year or two years' time. <laughs> But right now, with one year old, the baby has no opinion about you. The baby has no judgment about you. The baby just looks. <laughs> and you look into the eyes of the baby and for a moment and you feel so good. And you say, oh, after a few seconds you say something, you say, oh, wonderful. What is wonderful? Wonderful is that for a moment, the baby freed you of the incessant stream of thought in your mind because you, you instinctively you felt that the baby was not imposing any thought on you. So it freed you for a moment from thought and that it feels so good to, to look at this baby because for a moment you are freed from the person, the personality. There's just a spaciousness, a space. So it can happen accidentally in people's lives but it doesn't happen that frequently. You can't wait for the next thing to happen in four weeks' time. In four weeks' time, maybe I'll meet another baby. And, <laughs> and, and then I'll have another five seconds of freedom from... And you may suddenly realize that even the dog can do it for you. <laughs> you look into the eyes of the dog, and again, the dog Although the dog is conscious, an expression of consciousness, of course, he has a lovely consciousness, but the dog has not arrived. He, the dog exists below thought, not, not in thought. The dog has no thought as such, no conceptual thinking. He doesn't think, 
I wonder what kind of a person you are. <laughs> so even looking into, and this is why, why people love their animals or even love just meeting an animal in the street and you go, oh, and again for a few seconds, the dog looks at you, you look at the dog and it, the dog frees you for a moment from yourself ultimately. <laughs> frees you for a moment from yourself and you feel, oh, feel so good to be free from myself. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Another thing you can do, of course, is you can engage in extremely hazardous activities that require your intense presence. And if you don't have that intense presence, you will die. <laughs> there are certain activities of that kind, like rock climbing or car racing or whatever else. I mean, even surfing can be dangerous if you get hit by a huge wave. If you surf, then you're not going to be thinking, I wonder if the next wave is the one that I'm going to catch. Let me think about it. No, this is not quite big enough. No, it doesn't go like that. You're totally present and you go. And people get addicted almost sometimes to certain activities of that kind because it frees them temporarily from themselves, from the mind-made person or personality. So all that remains of them is a conscious presence. And that feels so alive and so good that they need to go back to this dangerous activity again and again. And perhaps one day they fall off the rock, the rock wall, and it's all been worth it, I'm sure. However, you don't need to do all that. If you enjoy it, it's fine. But you don't need that. Now, once you realize that this is always in you, you just need to acknowledge that it's there, that dimension. You just need to acknowledge it. First of all, you can do it when it arises spontaneously in your life. Like I mentioned a few things, the dog, the baby, dangerous activities. But also, whenever something new comes into your field of vision, let's say you open a door and you go into a room that you haven't been in before, or you're walking along a street and you turn around a corner, maybe it's a new city, you walk and again something new opens up. And every time you look at some, a new vista for three seconds or four seconds or so, you're not thinking, but you don't normally know that. For a few seconds, you're, not, you're just taking it all in. And then you interpret it mentally. You can even do it with a sound. We can do it with sounds. I highly recommend listening to the shakuhachi flute, Japanese bamboo flute, which is often used in Zen practice. And the best shakuhachi players are actually Zen monks. The others may be good technically, but the essence isn't there. The shakuhachi is just a bamboo flute, bamboo with a few holes in it, or maybe just one, I don't. They play it and there are big spaces of silent spaces in between the sounds. So the sound goes space. And then another sound arises, space. So the most important thing when you listen to Sakuhachi music is the spaces in between the sounds. And as you listen to the spaces in between the sounds, your mind is still. You listen to, and so the listening to the space in between sounds puts you in touch with the inner space of consciousness, of awareness. And whenever you look at something new, for the first few seconds, you may realize you're not thinking, you're just taking it all in. And if you become consciously aware of that, you can prolong that. You can actually arrive at a point where you can walk along a city street or initially more easily in nature because nature does not stimulate 
mind activity in the way that a city does. If you walk in nature along the beach, a forest, whatever it may be, you begin to be able to walk through nature or sit in, around nature under a tree and take it all in, the sounds, the sights, the smells, the feel of the air, on your, the breeze on your skin. Take it all in, be so alert. You're taking it all in, but you're not thinking. There's just, you are the consciousness that makes the perceptions possible. And so when you're not thinking, it's, it's not that difficult to do. And when you're not thinking, of course, you're not a person anymore. Temporarily, you have transcended the self, what the Buddha called the self, which he said, the self that is ultimately a delusion. You have transcended the self for a moment. It is extremely liberating. Nature can help you with that because nature does not think. Nature is also a manifestation of consciousness, but nature has no conceptual thought. So you are activating something that becomes activated in you that is an intelligence that is deeper than the conceptual intelligence that is thought. And it's essential to have access to, to that deeper intelligence if you want to use thought in a creative and powerful way. If you don't have access to that intelligence that is deeper than thought, higher, deeper, whatever you prefer, if you don't have access to that intelligence that is deeper than thought, then all your thinking is repetitive and ultimately not helpful, and not only not helpful, creates more problems than it solves. And you do an enormous amount of overthinking that creates an unhappy person and an unhappy life. My life then becomes unhappy. So. There is the conditioned intelligence in you, and this is the kind of thing that is encouraged at school and at university, and that's the kind of thing that does the IQ tests and is either good at it or not. And then there is a deeper non-conceptual intelligence where all creativity arises, and that is the essence of you as consciousness. That is the essence that emanates from the source of all life, and so you are a ray of source, you're that source emanation, you're a ray of God, one could say. You are a ray, and so the awakening is not a personal thing, it's not that the personality of the person does not awaken, the person ultimately recognizes that it is not ultimately real, it's only temporarily semi-real, and gives way and something else shines through, and that is the awakening. So the person does not awaken. But what is it then that awakens? Well, that's a wonderful question. The universe awakens through you. The universe, what is the greatest mystery of the universe? Is it the mystery of the atomic, molecular and subatomic world? Deep mysteries are there. Is it the mystery of infinite outer space, the galaxies, and the unbelievable vastness of it all? Yes, those are great mysteries, but the real mystery is something that the astronomers or molecular scientists almost <laughs> never mention. The greatest mystery is that the universe is conscious, and nobody knows what consciousness is. No scientist has ever seen it, some scientists even deny that it exists. How you can do that, I don't know, but they do. There is no consciousness. Okay, um, who is speaking? How is speaking possible? So the science, you cannot put consciousness under a microscope. You can never say, there it is, I now know what it is. So in a way, you can never know what it is because you're never separate from it. You are essentially it but you can know it as yourself, but you cannot know it through conceptual mind. So the interesting fact about the deeper non-conceptual intelligence, which is the alert stillness, the unconditioned consciousness, an interesting fact about this is that 
from the point of view of conceptual thinking, that state of connectedness with the deeper intelligence, the unconditioned intelligence, from that point of view, it is a state of not knowing. It is a state of ignorance, but only from a conceptual viewpoint. But you need to know that because there need to be a little bit of fear in you that comes from the mind that says, I need to think all the time to figure everything out. And that is not true. Certain things you need to think about, undoubtedly. Certain things can only be approached through thought. But there are other things that thought can be a great interference to the essential realization of who you are and also to experiencing the joy of life and true inner peace and experiencing empathy towards other humans, experience love, true love, not egoic love. I want you, don't you ever leave me, not that. True love. All those things emanate not from conceptual thinking, they emanate from source, from the, the unconditioned consciousness. But when you go there, it'll seems from the point of view of the egoic mind and conceptual thinking that you don't know anything anymore because the mind is still. Conceptual thought does not realize that that stillness is the source of all creativity. And or anybody who is truly being creative has created from, by having some access at least, in the, perhaps in the limited area of their creation, have had some access within themselves to that dimension. And they have created out of that incredible things, incredible music, beauty, architecture, incredible works of even writing that's inspired writing, all creativity, any creative insight has come out of that. Creative piece of music that survives from generation to generation has that essence in it. So there are the two levels to you. There is the intelligence of thinking, which is fine, and there's the deeper intelligence of not thinking. And that is not only that, it's the essence of who you are. Why don't they teach that at school? I don't know. Some people have a natural connectedness with that. I read the biography of Albert Einstein a while ago, and I was surprised when he was about four years old, he was so slow, he didn't have this quick mind that immediately has formulated thinking immediately, as it's encouraged at school, that kind of thing. The other is totally neglected at school, so the teacher asks the question, who knows the answer to this? I know, I know, I know, I know. And Einstein would just sit there, and started going deep in, deep, deep within, and he naturally drifted into stillness without ever having it as a practice. He naturally always drifted back into stillness. And then great insights came out of that. So some people have it naturally, but most people need to consciously embrace it and invite it into their lives. So inviting that space of no thought and becoming comfortable for those periods of time when you embrace no thought, it might be just a few seconds, and gradually become extended, become comfortable, and this is a strange way of putting it, become comfortable with not knowing. And yet in this not knowing, there is a deeper knowing, and that's what's called wisdom. Wisdom is something that the world desperately needs, the world does not need an intensification of analytical thinking. We've, had, we've got so much analytical thinking. The world does not need more information or facts. Is that going to save the world? We've already got millions of facts on all the internet. We're drowning in information. <laughs> and everybody's doing that conceptual thinking and it's not getting us anywhere. Wisdom intelligence without wisdom, which means just intelligence cut off from the deeper essence of who you are, becomes very destructive. Intelligence without connectedness to wisdom is very dangerous, as we can witness 
in the world, what technology, more and more technology development becomes more and more destructive in the absence of wisdom. And wisdom is the intelligence of the unconditioned consciousness. And that's what the world needs. That's what you need. And that is what wants to emerge into this world through humans. If humans don't become vehicles for it, it will emerge somewhere else. But there's a good chance that humans will make it. Now, we are in an interesting, because you're all here, so that's very promising. You are here. You are not just people come here at a deeper level. This is an event of awakening, of the awakening consciousness. You have all come here as persons, but that which has brought you here far transcends who you are as a person. You are the awakening universe, obviously. You're not separate from the universe. You are the universe that is awakening through you. That is the purpose of your life, ultimately, is to enable the universe to awaken through you because you are it. That's what it wants. And every other purpose you have must be aligned with the purpose of awakening. So even if you continue the job that you are doing, you bring a conscious presence to what you are doing. You're no longer egoic. You, you bring conscious presence to it. You might be a hairdresser and, and the way in which you approach your clients, you bring consciousness into them. You, you, look at, you look at another human being and there's a moment of spaciousness. There's not immediate labeling, mental labeling. You can begin to be with another human being and offer them space to be. And you are that space for them. Empathy comes through that. Loving kindness comes through that. As you may remember, the Dalai Lama said, the Dalai Lama, interestingly, didn't say, my religion is Buddhism. <laughs> Everybody knows that. But he said, my religion is kindness. And kindness implies empathy and benevolence. Goodwill is another word for benevolence that flows from within you towards another human being. And that can only flow through connectedness with the unconditioned, non-conceptual intelligence in you. That's when it flows and then, then you can love the other not in the egoic sense, and you can love a person who you meet for half a minute in an in a elevator, you can love them by sensing their essence as consciousness beyond the person that they manifest on the external. You can sense that you share consciousness with them. And that is the recognition of the other as yourself. So when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, there's something that was not transmitted or written down completely, so we get a, an isolated fragment. He did not say, please, you don't need to believe me, I'm just saying it, if you don't want to believe me, it's fine. He did not say, love your neighbor as yourself, because that is a commandment that he would know people cannot fulfill. And they have tried for 2,000 years, not done that well. They said, I must love my neighbor as myself. He's a jerk, but I must love him. <laughs> I can't stand him, but I must love him. I'll try. Or, or you deny all the negative feelings you have towards your neighbor because you have a mental image of yourself as spiritual or religious. <laughs> press it down. Yeah. So it, it needs to be connected with the kingdom of heaven that he talked about. Kingdom of heaven is an old translation. As you may know, my translation is kingdom is dimension, heaven is spaciousness, because heaven is the sky, it's the heaven. It's an analogy, vast space. He's talking about something within you, spaciousness, of awareness. The dimension of spaciousness is the kingdom of heaven. And that is within you. 
It's also around you. It's within you. Now, if you find the kingdom of heaven, the dimension of spaciousness in you, that dimension of consciousness in you, if you find that, then you love your neighbor as yourself. The two go together. You can't take as a separate commandment, you must love your neighbor as yourself. You're not capable. But seek first the dimension of spaciousness. Then you will love your neighbor as yourself. It's a natural result of that. It flows from that. These realizations come all all the ancient, all religions have in their essence have that realization, especially of course it's it's there in it's there in Zen, it's there in Hinduism, it's there in especially in Sufism, in the Islamic tradition. It's the the realization is is always that's what it is. Oh it's so these things are the most important things of human life and our civilization seems to ignore it completely. The mainstream civilization that we have, it's still, nothing of that is ever mentioned. Now, when I say that there's, uh, humans are awakening, it is true that there's an increasing number of humans who are going through the shift in consciousness and are awakening. It's still a minority, small minority still, that's true. But it's, it's happening. When you watch the news on television or you go onto the internet, the opposite seems to be happening. The world seems to become more and more crazy. But that's fine. That goes together. It's only when things become critical that the awakening happens. The awakening does not happen when things are comfortable. They happen when things become critical. It's your comfort zone is not the place where you will likely find spiritual awakening. That's a bummer. (laughs) When you're taken out of your comfort zone, then you get challenged by life. And only when you get challenged by life, and most of you have been challenged by life, and the only reason why you are here is because you have been challenged by life. And only that can bring about the motivation for awakening, for Another word, it would be in Buddhist terms, finding the end of suffering for yourself. The end of suffering. You no longer make yourself happy by your own mind, and you no longer make yourself unhappy, and you no longer make others unhappy. That would be a step forward. So when life takes you out of your comfort zone, and it's taking that now, for example, collectively, when you watch the news, read the newspaper and so on. The media and the politicians, they're both going crazy. The media are looking for enemies and they're finding them again and the politicians agree. Be very careful that you don't get taken in by all the stuff that you read and then you adopt all these thoughts as your own because you're reading them. If you can bring stillness into your life, then you can begin to think more creatively and look at situations outside of the conditioning of your mind. Because every time you go to the internet and you go to television or in newspapers, you don't realize that you are taking on the collective mind and your mind is being conditioned by the collective and you don't realize that the thoughts you think are your thoughts are not your thoughts at all. You've just taken them on. So the thoughts can be very much act as a prison in your life and to become free of being imprisoned by your thoughts, find the dimension of spaciousness in you, which is always there, just waiting to be acknowledged. It's here and now, always there. And that is your adventure, to find that in your life and then allow it to live through you. And then life becomes satisfying. And what you do becomes secondary. Of course you'll do something, but what you do becomes secondary. The consciousness that flows into what you do is primary. What is your state of consciousness when you speak to a person, when you take action, do this and that? What is your state of consciousness? Please practice all the things that I mentioned. Step out of your mind, conscious sense perceptions, take some conscious breaths, 
that frees you from thinking too for a moment. Step out of thinking as much as you can and then your thinking will become more empowered and become creative. You have the courage to go into the space of not knowing from the point of view of conceptual thinking and look at a human being without needing to work something out mentally about them. In fact, you will, you will know a lot about that human being, but not conceptually, not as a judgment. You can sense their essence. And you might also sense what it is that covers up their essence. And that's fine. But you no longer mistake that which covers up their essence, which is a personality, for who they are. Because if you mistake that which covers up another person's essence for who they are, then you're trapped in ego again. You're creating more ego for the other and you, you yourself are strengthening your own ego. So not mistaking the behavior of other humans, of their personality for who they actually are. You recognize it, yes. So primary in your life is awareness, conscious presence, alert presence, stillness. Find that dimension, invite it into your life as much as possible. Resist the temptation of always grabbing your cell phone when there's a moment of not doing anything. Allow that moment to be and realize the essence of who you are as the deepest, the deep I am. I am. I am without adding anything to it. There was an Indian teacher who was several, but especially one, Ramana Maharshi, recommended this as a meditation method, asking yourself the question, who am I? So you, you, go, you can close your eyes or not close your eyes, and you go, and so you ask yourself that question, who am I? Who am I? Now the important thing is, if you find an answer to that, you're wrong. <laughs> the important thing is, after you've asked yourself the question, who am I, there's a space of not knowing. That space of not knowing is also a space of no thought and is also a space of unconditioned consciousness. And that's the answer but there's no answer on a conceptual level. So the question, who am I, can be a very powerful pointer to who you are, but you must become comfortable with not knowing who you are in order to know who you are. And with this paradox, I'll leave you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening.